SBC and welcome to our Easter Sunday service, the day that we remember and celebrate that Christ is risen from the dead. We hope that you're excited to be with us this morning. If you're a guest who's joined us for the very first time, please won't you head over to our guest page and introduce yourself after the service and one of our staff will get in touch in the week ahead. On Friday, we spoke to you about our pantry ministry and how it is functioning during lockdown. Just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's already contributed towards that. Uh, we are super excited and we are ready and able to serve families in need in our church. But in order to do that, we need you to let us know that you are struggling. And so if you as a family are sitting at home and you are concerned about how you're going to put food on the table this week, we're asking you please to reach out to us. Would you get hold of your small group leader or your text group leader or phone someone on staff and let us know that you need help so that we can serve you in the season. I'm going to hand over to Pierre and Fiona Weber next. Uh, Pierre is one of our trainee elders. They're going to pray us into the service and then Matt Johnson is going to close off our We Will Remember Easter series. A last reminder to you that we did mail out some next-gen Faith at Home curriculum to use in your homes today. I would really encourage you to make use of that. We want our kids to know that Easter is about more than just the eggs. Over to Pierre and Fiona. Morning SBC. Happy Easter to you all. This is possibly the strangest Easter you have ever had. It is also a reminder that the Lord is wherever you seek Him. We are missing our SPC family and hope that everyone is feeling loved and supported from a distance. We read in 1 Corinthians where Paul writes, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Don't believe for one moment that COVID-19 has closed the church, has closed the buildings of God, because we are, in Christ alone, we are the church, and we are God's fields and God's building. What we do now in this time, as, as when we reach out to each other in this season, will determine how we plant and how we water a faith that can only be built by God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, please be with Matt as he brings the word to us today. Please let his message be exactly what we need to hear at this time. Let us speak to each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you have for us. We ask that the Holy Spirit would be with us, would give us confidence, would give us boldness, and that we would be able to be an encouragement to each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you, Matt. Hello everyone, welcome to our Easter Sunday service. It's good to be with you. A special warm welcome to any of those who have clicked for the first time online today. And for those that are on a journey and wanting to know more about Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, you're so welcome. And uh, today we want to remind you of our Easter theme. Uh, our theme is We Will Remember, and we kicked off on Good Friday by remembering the cross together and the significance of the cross to the world. Today, we're going to be looking at something just as significant, the resurrection. And so today's message is, is entitled, We Will Remember the Resurrection. And the scripture that I want to share with you today is a very famous scripture. It's uh, an important scripture in our faith. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I'm going to read it for you from the English Standard Version. It says the following, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, the reason why this verse is so important is because it tells us what is required for saving faith. In other words, 
What must you believe in order to become a Christian, a child of God? And Paul unpacks saving faith as having two components. The first component is what you must believe about Jesus Christ. The second component is what you must believe about the resurrection. And so I want to unpack quickly this morning the first component by looking at what we must believe about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to become a Christian, in order to be saved. Well, Paul is very clear. He says, if you want to become a Christian, if you want your sins forgiven and to enter into God's kingdom, experience newness of life and all the joy of what it means to be at peace with God, is the first thing you must believe is who Jesus is, that he is the divine son of God, that he it stands alone as all authority being given to him in heaven and earth. He is the Lord. And so he's much more than just a man and being a good man or a prophet, as some other faiths assert. No, no. Jesus stands alone on the shelf in terms of being Lord. No other gods of this world are on that shelf with him. You must affirm that he is the Lord of all. Now, Paul is very deliberate in his opening statement of our verse today, where he says, we must confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And he uses that term because he wants to remind us today that our faith is not a private matter. Our faith is a public expose of what God has done for us. And so it's really important to remember that when Paul is writing to these Roman believers, this church in Rome, he's using that, understanding the context of what is facing this church. This church is made up largely, first of all, of Jews, of Jewish believers. And if there was one uh, uh, difficulty that these Jewish believers had to face was the fact that their fellow Jews that weren't yet believers rejected Jesus as Lord. And there was a pressure for Jewish believers to just back off and keep their faith in Jesus as a private affair so they wouldn't be rejected from families and they wouldn't be rejected from synagogues. But Paul says, no, no, you must be willing publicly to affirm that Jesus is Lord. But there's also a group of believers in this church known as Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers in background. And they were under the same pressure, but from a different area, because being Roman or in the capital of Rome, I should say, is all of the Roman Empire was under the, under strict instruction to affirm the emperor as Lord. It, it was emperor worship as an institution in the Roman Empire. And you must never forget, church, that while we are celebrating over Easter at this time, particularly Easter Sunday, that Jesus Christ is Lord, resulted in thousands of men and women's death in the arena because they refused to bend the knee to the emperor as Lord. And they refused to back off from their public confession that Jesus is the Lord, the Son of God, the Divine One. And so remembering that is the first component required for saving faith, that you have to affirm publicly and in your heart believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. We want to look at the second component of saving faith today, and we're getting closer to home here. The second point is, you must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, he died on Good Friday, we call it, on the cross, but he rose again on the Sunday, three days later. And so it's a wonderful thing where Paul says this. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that he, he, he rose again, you will be saved. Now, Paul's quite specific in his use in that second part of our verse today. You know, if, if I was the Apostle Paul, I probably would have written it like this. 
that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he died on the cross for your sins, you'll be saved. That's probably how I would put it. But Paul doesn't say that. He says that if you believe in your heart that that he was raised from the dead, that, that then you'll be saved. It's a different way of emphasizing. He, he goes for emphasizing the resurrection rather than the cross. And that's important. You see, the cross was, was vital. On Good Friday, Jesus' death was vital. But it was not enough. The reason why Paul stresses the resurrection as being essential for faith is because it was through the resurrection that we get to see the culmination of our salvation being possible. And we're going to unpack that a bit today. But I, I want to point out that we are at risk, particularly in our circles of the Christian church, of emphasizing the cross at the cost of the resurrection. And I had an interesting experience with my little girl this week. She's four years old. And Marine and I are trying to take these moments to instill faith in our children and saying, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But Sarah keeps correcting us, or me in particular, she says, and he rose again. So every time I say, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, she says, and he rose again. And I got a little bit irritated because I'm trying to stress the fact that she needs rescuing from her sin. But she corrected me in saying, ah, but the resurrection was the proof that our rescue was sufficient. And so this is the glory of the resurrection, friends, is that we must remember not only Good Friday, but Easter Sunday. We must not only remember the cross, ah, but the resurrection. And I want to say, if you do that in your Christian life, it will be a game changer for you. Do you know why? Well, when I look at the Gospels, and I look at what the disciples looked like, and those who, who loved and followed Jesus after the cross, man, they were all depressed. Don't you, don't you love the way those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they're so depressed. And Jesus rocks up as a third person in the conversation. They don't recognize who he is. And they're so depressed. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? And the two disciples on the way to Emmaus say, what? You don't know? That this Jesus of Nazareth, we, we had hoped that he was the savior of Israel, the promised Messiah. We had hoped they're so depressed. The cross had brought them no comfort. It's amazing also about those women on the way to the tomb early on Sunday morning. There they're carrying the spices to go and, go and uh, try and uh, treat Jesus' body. But they're going, who's going to take away the gravestone for us? They're so depressed. They're weepy. You think about the disciples locked in their, their room. They're so afraid of the authorities. They, they went for Jesus. Are they going to be next? And then all of a sudden, when Jesus shows himself as the resurrected Messiah, the whole atmosphere of the Gospels change. The whole atmosphere of the Acts of the Apostles changes. It's wonderful. You see you see these, these uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus going, Oh, did our hearts not burn when we saw not only Jesus face to face, but in the Scriptures, that all of his resurrection was a fulfillment of all of the Scriptures. When we see those women seeing Jesus in the garden, they fall to his knees, they cling his knees, they are so excited, they are celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. And same for those disciples. Friends, the whole atmosphere of their faith changed in the Son of God as they realized the power of the resurrection. The same will be for your life. Oh, it's not just Good Friday and the cross. It's the fact that we have victory because of the resurrection. And that floods into our hearts and into our lives, a wonderful confidence and celebration and joy that gives us great strength and, and great witness as believers. So I do want to point out before I move on to my next point is that Paul is talking about a faith in a factual, 
historical, phys physical resurrection of Jesus. This is not a ghost. Jesus was not a ghost that was resurrected from the dead. He wasn't the fact that uh, someone else died on the cross and he never died, and that's why Jesus would rock up, as some, some people uh, want to try and point to. No, no, friends, you have to believe in order to be a Christian. You have to believe that Jesus rose in the body. It was a physical resurrection. And the Gospels take a lot of time to try and prove this to us over and over again and show us that this was the case. Do you remember doubting Thomas? And there he is. He goes, oh, I don't know if this is real. And Jesus says, come, come feel my side. Come look at the wounds on my hands. Come and see that I am in my body. Do you remember those women when they arrive at the tomb and they look into the tomb? The tomb is empty, my friend. There's no body left because the body, body is resurrected. And the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? No, we must believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus on the third day. And I want to, as my, my final point on this, or final comment on this second component of needing to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, is that really the burden of proof to try and disprove the resurrection is on the side of the skeptic. Amazing historical research of the highest scholastic degree has without a doubt proven the factual historical resurrection of Jesus. And the book that I read was uh, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, but scholars recommend two others. The one is Who Moved the Stone by Frank Morrison and the work by William Lane Craig as well. And I want to challenge you today, if you are skeptical about the bodily resurrection of Jesus, would you take what is the most serious claim in the whole of history that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Would you take it seriously and would you study these resources and for yourself come to the fact that I have personally that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead? So with the final time that we have together, I want to unpack what are the five major effects of the resurrection that we get to enjoy as Christians and that gets declared to the world. The first effect is this, is that it proves that Jesus really is Lord of all. You know, Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says this, it says, He was declared, Jesus, he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection declared Jesus to be Lord because John chapter 10 verse 18 said this, unlike any other man or woman, and there is a precedence for being resurrected from the dead in scripture, other people experience resurrection from the dead. One in particular is Lazarus that was raised from the dead. But Jesus is unique in his resurrection because John chapter 10 verse 18 says this. It says it was based on Christ's own authority that he raised himself from the dead. Isn't that incredible? No other person has that power in the universe to raise himself from the dead. But John chapter 10 verse 18 said Jesus did. Because it says in John chapter 10 verse 18, no one takes my life. This is Jesus talking. No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. Isn't that incredible? No other person has that power in the universe except Jesus. The resurrection, the first effect of it is to prove that Jesus is Lord. The second effect is this, is that it shows Jesus' work on the cross as complete. I want to say to you today that without the resurrection, what Jesus did on the cross would not have been sufficient. Why do I say that? 
because it means that Jesus' payments for our sin on the cross, which is ultimately bearing the consequences of our sin, which is death, if he remained dead, it means it means that he would be in no other position or better position than us. Jesus Christ, if he had never risen from the dead, would never have proven that his sacrifice was enough because he still would have been dead. Meaning that the penalty of sin would have still stood. Ah, but the wonder of Romans chapter 8, verse 33 to 34 is this. It says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, against the believer? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And then he goes to say this, more than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? What Paul is saying here is, how do we know that God no longer condemns us as Christians. It's not just the death of Jesus on the cross. Paul goes on to say, he says, more than that, it was the fact that he rose again. That is the proof that no one can condemn us anymore. No matter whatever evidence Satan might throw against us, no matter what there might be as a case against our sin, God is satisfied. Who shall condemn the Christian? No, no. God is satisfied against with, with the, the payment that Jesus made on the cross. It's a wonderful thing. Christ's work on the cross is finished and complete. And we are now not guilty before the God of heaven. And the wonder of this is that Romans chapter 4 verse 24 says, It will be counted to us as righteousness who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And I want to point out to you today, my fellow Christian, are you struggling with some persistent guilt because of sin? Maybe you have some historical failure. Maybe it was a failure that happened this morning and you just feel so guilty even watching this video. I want to say to you, remember not only the cross on Friday, but remember the resurrection on Sunday, because the resurrection of Sunday is your guarantee that God has not condemned you, that he is just and able to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You must never let Satan, the accuser, or your conscience rob you of your joy of recovery, knowing that the resurrection has sealed God's satisfaction, that he is able to forgive you of your sin. And to say to you, you are not guilty. Get up and carry on. The third effect today is that it shows Jesus' invincible power over his enemies. And this is so important. On Friday, I unpacked how actually, because of our sin, we were in bondage. We were in slavery to this wicked tyrant Satan in this kingdom of darkness. We were trapped. We had no hope of any way of getting out. And what Jesus did in his resurrection is he proves that he defeated all of his enemies on the cross. What were those enemies? Well, the first one, obviously, is Satan. And he even started to defeat Satan when he arrived on planet Earth through the incarnation, when he was born of a Virgin Mary. Uh, 1 John 3 verse 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that incredible? And from the get-go, when Jesus starts his public ministry, he's casting out demons. And even when his disciples are preaching the gospel, the good news, he sees Satan being struck down from the heavens down to earth. Jesus is, is having victory over the evil one. But more than that is he defeats the great enemy of this world, 
This fallen world and fallen flesh. You must remember Jesus was in a body. He was susceptible to being tempted to all of the fallenness of this world. And the Hebrews writer tells us that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He even beat the world in the flesh. But more than that, and importantly for you and me, is he even defeated the enemy of the law, the law of God. And the law became our enemy because it judged our sin. And what Jesus did on the cross and through the proof of his resurrection was he not only kept all the fulfillments of the law, he even bore the penalty of the punishment of the law. And through his death and resurrection, he defeated the law that was our judge. And the greatest of all, which the Bible talks of the final enemy, is death itself. Man, the greatest enemy was death. And Jesus, through his resurrection, proves that he defeated death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Now, what is the significance for you? Well, my friend, his victory through his death and resurrection, is our victory as Christians. Paul explains it like this for you and me today in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 36 to 39. He says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Far from us being victims, according to what some of us might feel like, including myself at this time, where you just feel these overwhelming circumstances at times. Far from us being victims as Christians. We're victors. Why? Because Christ has defeated all of these things. And Paul goes on to say, for I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How can Paul have such a confidence for the believer? He can say that because Christ has beaten all of that. And I want to say to you today, friends, we have got some giants facing us at this time. I say, and if you've been like me, at times you feel strong and at times you feel weak. Some of you are facing physical hardship. Some of you are facing economic uncertainty and potential distress. Some of you are not certain about what the future of the world is going to be. Friends, these are big things, but I want to say to you today, are they bigger than Christ and the cross and his resurrection? No, Christ has overcome everything that could possibly face us as Christians. And because nothing has defeated him, nothing will overcome you. You have got nothing to fear. Even the worst thing of death has been conquered. And at this time, we remember the resurrection because we remember our victory in Jesus. We are not victims. My fellow believer, you are not a victim in this circumstance. You are a victor because Christ has overcome all circumstances and we stand in him. Uh, my second last one today is that the resurrection enables Jesus' ascension to heaven. If Christ never rose from the dead, he could have never ascended into heaven. And that is huge for you and me because the ascension enabled two things in the life of the Christian. The first is this, is it enabled Jesus to go to the Father and to ask him to send the Spirit. And friends, today, Christ, because he ascended to heaven, 
has been able to pour out the Spirit into every believer. Isn't that wonderful? In this time, you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit as comforter in all of this chaos, as consoler, as counselor. You might be facing some big decisions. I want to guarantee you, you have the best counselor living inside of you as a Christian who's going to help you, whether it might be day by day, that's okay. He's going to lead you step by step. You are not alone, and he is your helper. That Because of Christ's resurrection and ascension, we get to enjoy the wonderful leadership of the Spirit in our lives. And not only that, the power of the Spirit to live a life that stands in the victory of Jesus at this time. Whatever you face, Christ has supplied you with the Spirit because of his resurrection and ascension. And perhaps even more so and more wonderful is because of Jesus' ascension, the second thing you receive is a great high priest. And it's not just any old high priest. It's a high priest who has suffered. And Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 says this. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Friends, some of you like me have experienced weakness. Some of you might be really feeling inadequate as you look to what is facing your family, what is facing your job, what is facing your faith. I want to say to you, Jesus knows it all. He's experienced it all. You have a sympathetic high priest next to the Father who is praying for you. Even when you don't know what to pray, you're saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Jesus is praying for you because he's resurrected and alive and he's praying. What's he praying? He's praying that you have everything you need. In the time of need. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that you may have great find grace to help in the time of need. And the last is this is the effect of the res- resurrection number five, is it assures us of our salvation. Because Jesus was resurrected, we will be resurrected. That's the glory of it. If you are in Christ, and you are, if you have come to faith in Jesus, the saving faith of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you are in Christ, that means Whatever has happened to Jesus has happened to you because you're in him. And that means because Christ was raised from the dead, my friends, you will be raised from the dead. And 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20 says this, the first fruits, it says, sorry, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What Paul is saying is Christ was the first fruit. He was the example. He was the one that set what was going to happen after death by being raised from the dead? Who's saying, hey guys, I'm the first one that this is going to happen to. Everyone else who believes in me will experience the same. And so that's why Paul could say in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, because you're in Christ and Christ was resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, you are as good as already there. You are already seated in the heavenly places because you are in Christ. And if Christ was resurrected and ascended, so you will be resurrected and experience ascension. You will be where he is in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. We have got a future ahead of us, church, that is greater than what these light and momentary troubles can compare to. And the resurrection seals our confidence in this future glory being ours. And so... 
what can we do in response to all of this today? Well, first of all, I want to ask you, my friend, if you've checked in, have you responded? Have you done what saving faith requires? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, which is this. Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed that God has raised him from the dead? Have you done that? If not, do it now. It's not simple. It's profound. And so come and do that. But for us who have held to you and, and confessed and believed in saving faith in Jesus. Surely at a time like this, the resurrection speaks faith and hope and confidence and comfort to us. Not so. That Jesus is Lord. That his work is sufficient for us to be secure in the love of the Father. That we're not guilty and nothing brought against us can stand against the cross and the resurrection. That Jesus has defeated his enemies and therefore he's defeated our enemies. His enemies are the same as ours. And that we are not victims at this time. We are victors in Jesus Christ. And that we have the profound power and comfort of the Spirit. And that we have the sympathy and tenderness of the high priest who suffered for us in Jesus. Praying for us. Getting, making sure we get all that we need. And that we're going to glory. This is the joy as we remember the resurrection this Easter. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you today for the glory of the resurrection and what you achieved through Christ Jesus. As we remember today, I pray for the not yet believer, would they come now? Would you say to Jesus, that's you? Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you came in the flesh to save me and that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again. Forgive me. Take my life and let it be Lord, yours today. And for us, Lord, who have tasted and seen the greatness of your salvation, seal our hearts in confidence today, we pray, as we remember your resurrection and the great victory it proclaims for us. Amen.